Greetings all and welcome to The Hardest Word with me, Brett DeHoot, the podcast that features real apologies from real people all across the globe. This edition is no exception. First up to India, Andhra Pradesh to be specific, where Sanvi Chakrabarti lives. And Sanvi, well, her connection to her man is not so much a, a meeting of the minds or even a meeting of the heart. For her, it's purely physical. Recently, I realized something which I was trying to neglect for a long time now. Babe, I'm really sorry. I don't really love you. The thing is that when you came to propose me, I was very lonely and desperate and just wanted something physical. I was not ready for a real relationship. That's why when you wanted to be part of my life, I became selfish and accepted your proposal and just to fulfill my needs. But I feel really guilty because you're giving me so much love and I'm not returning even 1% of it. You deserve so much. You are doing whatever you can to make things work and make me happy. This guilt is really killing me. I want to see you happy. But the truth is I don't love you. I'm really sorry for whatever I have done to you. I really wish I could feel for you just the way you do for me. But I'm really sorry that can't be happen. That was Sanvi with an apology that might not be necessary. You know, a crush can give you a reason to get out of bed in the morning and give you something nice to think about. Some of us, however, nurture our crushes beyond their natural lifespan. Perhaps they become something of a negative influence on us. Something I've never thought about, of course, is how does the recipient, the focus of the crush, feel? Well, Nathan, who lives in South Africa, just outside of Johannesburg, has given it a lot of thought and is making a very wise and mature apology to the woman who has been the subject of his crush. My dearest Jess, we've known each other now for seven years, my entire adulthood so far. I can still remember the day we met as if it were yesterday. I donated my hair to cancer patients earlier that afternoon. I was feeling rather vulnerable without it, but you accepted me as I was. You made me feel like myself. That's part of what made us best friends, of course, but it's also what made me develop a crush on you, a crush that's lasted years. To be honest, I wonder if it will ever truly subside. In the Havanal, there's a verse that says, Wise men oft unto witless fools are made by mighty love. It's taken me a long time to realize it, to accept it, but I acted like a fool. Instead of talking to you about how I felt, I tried to make you jealous with other women. And on the few occasions when I did say something, my timing was so bad, I think part of me wanted you to say no. You were dating other guys at the time. Of course you were going to say no. Proving myself an even bigger fool, I had a mental breakdown over the fact we weren't together. I don't know if Andrew ever told you about that. But what makes me an even bigger fool is the fact that I never realized how unfair it all was to you. I was so caught up in how it affected me 
that I never stopped to think about how much pressure it must have put on you. I'm sorry for that. You deserved far better. I love you always. Nathan. Well, Nathan gave us his side of the crush. He's the holder of the crush. Let's hear from the other side of the crush. From Vicky in the Philippines. And she also is delivering to us our first Dear Fred apology. Dear Fred, the last exchange of chat messages we had a year ago makes me feel guilty up to this day. I know that you were only trying to be polite and nice, like you have always been since high school. I don't hate you or anything. It's just that I don't feel comfortable when someone I've always known would treat me all of a sudden like I was some kind of an instant princess. I wasn't even just a princess, one spoiled with gifts. No, I was like a queen. I could smell your fear, you know. Sorry that the last chat I sent you was. I will never talk to you if you kept calling me ma'am, which you did, as if it was something involuntary. It would have been easier cutting you out of my life had you been rude or obnoxious, but you were really kind to me. I remember how you would drive me home in your passenger tricycle back in high school. My two girlfriends would also ask that you drive them home too. And you did. For free. There were times when we would just sit together under a tree and study for our next test. I liked hanging out with you because you were sensitive and didn't make any advances, unlike your friends. I went to college and you didn't. At 18, you had opened a small bakery and distributed tiny one-peso bread to sari-sari stores. Your tricycle had a new customized sidecar when you showed up at the university gate. I had this weird feeling of fearing other people might think that we were dating. But I told myself, Fred is my friend and friends don't need to be good-looking to be good. But then there were times when I could feel you inch towards me when we walk in the street so that your arm would brush against mine. You began sending me texts so consistently I thought you were wasting my precious study time with your sweet nothings. Many times I would feel so disappointed when my phone beeps only to find that the text was from you instead of someone else I was actually interested in. So I stopped tolerating you. I had to put my niceness towards you to end because you might think that we're best friends or something. And yet, you would still bug me with your messages. I ignored your messages until they were almost gone over the years. But a month ago, I was in a bad mood and told you that I would stop replying to your chats. I'm kind of relieved I didn't have to deal with you anymore. But I also miss your kind and serene company sometimes. I hope you find someone better than me. Your friend, Vicky. I really do hope Fred wasn't listening. And Fred, if you are listening, let me reassure you that was another Vicky entirely. You know, Petrina Kingham is a fancy lawyer for a corporation and she should be really focusing on maximizing her billable hours. Instead, she writes us apologies, which I'm happy to share. She joins us from Littlehampton in England and this time she's making an apology to a boy she once thought was these knees, now hasn't spoken to for a long time and after this apology, I dare say she won't be speaking to him in the near future. 
neither. Many years ago, I had a lovely boyfriend called John. He was my first boyfriend, so first ever proper relationship with a with a young man. And we were how old were we? We were six. No, seventeen. I was quite a late starter. Seventeen when we got together, and he was the absolute and utter love of my life at that time. Now we both went to the same university together. We went to a university called Swansea University in the United Kingdom. And um, I hated it. I hated the university. I went there because I wanted to be with John. And uh, I was warned not to do that. And I really didn't like the university for a variety of reasons. So I left. I dropped out and I came home. Um, uh, John stayed on, which was great. So we then tried to maintain a long-term relationship. Um, and I wasn't very good at that. I really wasn't very good at that. Uh, to the point where I went out with somebody else and I dumped John and I dumped John by text after being with him for three years. What a horrible thing to do. What a horrible, horrible thing to do, isn't it? Um, and John obviously wanted to have closure. So he pursued me on social media um, via my phone via my parents' house because I wasn't living there. He didn't know where I was. Um, and uh, I just blocked every avenue to him so he couldn't ever discuss this with me. In fact, he's even tried to make contact with me over the last few years and I've blocked him again. So, John, now I know you're married and I know you've got two kids and you're OK, but I'm really, really sorry that you still feel the need to get closure on a relationship that ended quite a long time ago. So, John, I'm really sorry. I was very young. I was very stupid. You were lovely. It wasn't your fault. It was my fault. And, you know, I just just want you to get on with your, your life now and move on, please. I'm sorry. It was not... Uh, God, this sounds like a cliche, doesn't it? It wasn't you. It was me. But it really was... I wasn't ready for a long-term relationship and you were and you've got one and that's great. So I'm sorry, please accept my apology, close the book and move on with your new life. Thanks, John. Take care. Well, it's time to bring this whole sorry business to a close. Thanks for being a part of it. And thanks to Brian Wallace for making it sound so great, our audio director. That's the title I've given him and he hasn't come up with an alternative. He's the man who not just edits, he is in charge of how this podcast sounds. And that music you hear, it's his. It's original, unique for this program. We love that. Dubrobot.com is the website to find out more about him. D-U-B-Robot, one word, dot com. And don't forget, you can make your apology on this show. It can be silly, it can be serious, as long as it's sincere. And yes, it can be anonymous. And if you wish to just write it, you can just write it and we'll find a voice for it. So there were lots of ways to make contact with the program, perhaps the Facebook page or thehardestword.com. Now, next week, we move from Amore to Animals, and uh, it's a delightful edition of the podcast. A very, very unexpected incident with a support dog. That will be part of it, I can guarantee you that. Okay, this is me, Brett DeHoot, saying thanks and farewell.